Today you've joined hundreds of established and emerging writers who are discovering ways to reach their writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. You're listening to Ann Croker, Writing Coach. This is episode 167, How to Be a Better Writer, Part 2. Three simple tweaks you can try today. Last week, we talked about the mindset that believes growth is possible, that you're neither stuck at your current level nor have you arrived at mastery. With that mindset, you can begin to evolve and improve. Today, I recommend three simple writing tweaks that will keep your readers interested and engaged. The first, use active, vivid verbs. Propel your story or idea forward with active, vivid verbs. Don't fret about your word choices as you write your draft, but in the editing stage especially, look for places you can swap a flat, lifeless verb for one that keeps the reader alert and engaged. A few examples of flat, lifeless verbs. Is and other forms of to be, like am, are, was, were, be, being, been, will be, and so on. Go or went, have or had, made, and do. When you begin to identify words like these that slow down your work, you'll see opportunity. In fact, once you start fishing for verbs that energize your writing for the reader, you, as the author, may begin to dream up new ways of expressing an idea or scene. Let's say a writer describes a troubling situation in her kitchen. She writes, The instant pot made such weird sounds, I worried I'd missed a step with the lid position or the settings. By simply choosing a more vivid verb than made, the instant pot made such weird sounds, she may find her creativity kicks in and the whole scene picks up. Like this. The instant pot fizzed and spit as the silver peg jiggled and wobbled. Did I miss a detail in the instruction book? Should I turn the lid one notch tighter or pick a setting lower than ultra? The scene expanded and changed in tone. By playing with the verbs, the sentence practically came alive. This simple tweak can produce stronger writing in all genres. I recommend you turn to active, vivid verbs whenever possible and play around with options. Tweak number two. In general, avoid there was. Consider this common sentence structure. There was a jogger who outran a terrier that nipped at her heels. Because there was includes a form of to be, I could have lumped this suggestion under the discussion of flat lifeless verbs. Instead, I want to address it on its own. Now, sometimes we use there are when we aren't sure who or what the actor or subject is. Newspapers reply on this when reporting on a situation with limited information. Last night, there was a robbery at the gas station on the corner of 5th and Main. Perhaps the reporter turned to there was because police hadn't said anything about the perpetrator. If so, the reporter didn't have enough information to write something like two men wearing clown masks robbed the gas station on the corner of 5th and Main. To make the deadline for the morning paper, the reporter gave readers what he had, and they at least know a robbery allegedly took place at the corner of 5th and Main. A writer might rely on there was, there are, or there is when they want to avoid casting blame, or when it doesn't really matter who did the action. 
For example, a mom might write in an email, I'm going to miss the meeting. There was a flood in our house from an overflowing toilet. She chose there was on purpose to avoid pointing fingers at the particular child who flushed an entire roll of toilet paper and clogged the toilet to overflowing. As you can see, you may find this construction handy and use it for various reasons. But in general, I recommend you avoid using it because it can so easily be rearranged to create a much more interesting alternative. I can eliminate there was and rearrange a sentence to play with variations. There was a jogger who outran a terrier that nipped at her heels can quite simply become a jogger outran a terrier that nipped at her heels. Already, launching with a jogger instead of there was animates the scene one notch more than the original, which feels just like a bystander pointing over there. There was a jogger. Another example, there was a student in my writing class who pointed out every error in my assignments. A quick revision, simply remove there was and begin, a student in my writing class pointed out every error in my assignments. To me, this simple change cleans up the sentence and usually inspires additional tweaks. Sometimes I'll remove there was and find myself playing with alternative wording to liven things up even more. So play with variations and you'll discover nuance and possibility available to you as the writer at every turn. The third tweak, use specific nouns. When you spot there are or there is sentences in your work and you ponder ways to revise, you'll see right away the benefit of using specific nouns. A sentence that reads, there is a bird singing outside my window, will be easy to revise first by dropping there is. The sentence would read, a bird is singing outside my window. Now that there is has been removed, we have the option of letting sings serve as the verb. A bird sings outside my window. Or we could use past tense. A bird sang outside my window. But we'll breathe even more life into it if we add the specific bird and a verb that matches. A sparrow twittered outside my window. That holds the reader's interest more than a bird is singing because anyone who has a general idea of what a sparrow looks like can conjure up a more precise image in his head than if it were just a bird. And the reader can practically hear its bird song when you add the verb twittered. A crow cawed outside my window brings up a different image, more jarring and just as engaging. A morning dove cooed outside my window generates a different mood and tone while igniting the imagination. You'll enjoy more flexibility and creativity if you work in fiction or poetry because you can swap out one bird for another until you find the one that best fits your scene. But even those who write nonfiction can go back to their drafts and fill in the gaps by inserting specifics as accurately as memory serves. You saw the added bonus of matching a vivid verb to the specific noun, so each choice inspires another. Of course, we don't need to slow down our work with meaningless or excessive detail. If we weigh down our fiction, the reader may start to worry about how much she needs to remember in case one of those specific nouns shows up later as critical to the plot. Add too many unnecessary details to nonfiction and the reader can feel like you're wasting their time. 
We'll discuss this in more detail next week. For now, play with specific nouns and active vivid verbs to find the degree of specificity ideal for a particular project. If you reread a version you've adapted and worry you clogged up a paragraph with too many details, you can always go back and plunge out anything extraneous. You may be familiar with these tweaks and appreciate the reminder to read through your drafts with them in mind. Or maybe they were new to you and you plan to implement them in your new project. Either way, I hope they become writing tips, tweaks, even tools you can use to be a better writer. I'm Ann Croker cheering you on as a writing coach in your ear, everywhere we may meet, at my website, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in your inbox, here on this podcast, over at Patreon, or even in person. I'm always looking for ideas to share with you that will help you achieve your writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. Thank you for listening.